back in the day, there was this comedian uh, who, who did a joke about bands like always coming back to the mic in the front and they would shoot, shoot, they might dance, go to the side, but they always came back to the mic, you know? Um, that today, like, I, I want that concept of a band and there being different singers that might come to the front and be kind of looked at at the forefront for that moment to help us wrap our minds around the beauty of the Trinity. Because today, what we will be focusing on is God the Father at the forefront. Still three persons, there's still God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and we talked about that as one God, not three different individuals, not three different gods, one God and three persons. And so today's person we're bringing forward is God the Father. But Jesus will help us even understand God the Father. So as God the Father will be at the forefront, Jesus might jump in there a couple of times and say, shoo <laughs> Just to help you get it a little bit, all right? So if you wouldn't mind, we're going to jump around a little bit today, but start with me in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. 1 Chronicles is in the Old Testament. 1 Chronicles chapter 29, and we're going to start at verse 10. 1 Chronicles 29, starting with verse 10. And let me pray for our time. Lord, as we pray for the kids, we pray that you would use this time to magnify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 1 Chronicles chapter 29, starting at verse 10. Therefore, David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and, is, and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. Thank you. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. There's a, an author named Thomas that says these words. He says, It ascribes to Yahweh the possession of everything in heaven and on earth. His is the kingdom, and he is exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from him. He is the ruler over all things, and he, his hands are the strength and power and exalt that give strength to all. Do you hear these terms that are being used for this God? For this God that is deemed father, terms like great, terms like all-powerful, glorious, <coughs> victorious, majestic, the king of the kingdom, provider. There are some amazing terms that you find just in these three verses, and it's some direct declarations. 
Because some of us are direct declaration type people. Some of us are the type of person, we don't need any type of fluff. Just tell us exactly what you're saying, Pastor. I'm saying God is great. I'm saying God is merciful. You know that crew, the crew after lunch, after church is over, y'all about to go to lunch, and you say, where y'all want to go eat? That There's some people that just say, I want to go to Southern Fires. I want to go to Mercury Bar. They quit. They're direct. It's clear. And that's how these propositions are coming forward in First Chronicles 29. He's saying, look. Here's the list of the God that is our father. I'm going to make it clear for you. There's going to be no guessing. But some of y'all, when y'all want to leave and it's time to go to lunch and we say, where you want to go eat? Some of y'all are like, I don't know where you want to go. Okay. <laughs> I'm kind of not really feeling tacos, but I'm open. So y'all are like the creative type, the like frontal lobe creative people. And that's where like our Psalms 104 that boo that Rebecca uh, had connected with um, Joanne and had, had read. Look at, look at Psalm 104 because if you, some folks don't get it when it's direct. So you might be kind of like me, but I'm a little artist kind of, you know, I, I need to dream a little bit. Help me wrap my mind around it. So that's where he says in Psalm 104, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. O oh Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. I start getting images of, of the stars all forming like a cloak around God. Something so big, beautiful, and majestic, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. I had to the joy of kicking in with one of our sisters in the body, and we, we did a little camping. We didn't, um, we didn't do what you're supposed to do. We did what we wanted to do. You're supposed to look at the instructions. We didn't look at the instructions, so it was taking a while to get the tent together. We're working on the tent. We're setting up the tent. We start getting a little frustrated. I start bending some of the poles, like, okay, this can't be the right way. This can't be the right way. We look at the instructions. It was like we hit a button, and it was like, boop, 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 boop. <laughs> Can you imagine that God created the heavens and the earth like the popping up of a tent? You see, which way do you need it? Do you need a creative way in order for God to get through to you all of the beautiful characteristics that he embodies? Or do you need it direct? He gives you the Old Testament that will cover it all. He says, wrap your mind around that and that I'm your father. That all of those different characteristics, all of those different things, you are going to find wrapped around the name Father. There's some more characteristics. In Deuteronomy 32, 6, it says, Is this the way you repay the Lord, you foolish and unwise people? Is he not your Father, your Creator, who made you and formed you? Add Creator to the list. Merciful in, Je in Jeremiah 31, verse 9. You, you get the point. But there's a, there's a cultural piece of this that we're missing that, that I began to understand as I was doing some reading. There's a, an organization that helps to train business people how to engage in different cultures. And they have this survey and a tool that'll help you get ready to engage different cultures. And while they've been sending people out, equipping them for a long time, they said, you know what, we should use the tool in the medical field. Because actually, 
a lot of people are coming to hospitals from other cultures. Oftentimes, it is first-generation people coming into, into hospitals. And so this sister named Marcia Corette, she wrote, um, a, uh, wrote this article about cultural values of Asian patients and families. She said, this is generally speaking, but we are intentionally taking a very general approach here, keeping in mind that there are three general ethnicities within the Asian community, Pacific Islander, Southeast Asians, and East Asians. Each of these communities differs in social cultural traits, as do the subgroups within each. That being said, people belonging to Asian cultures are accustomed to distinct communication forms that are significantly different from those of native-born and other immigrant populations. She said, Asians tend to be highly group-oriented people who place a strong emphasis on family connection as the major source of identity and protection against the hardships of life. The family model is extended to one including immediate family and relatives, and loyalty to the family is expected. Thus, independent behavior that may disrupt the harmony of the family is highly discouraged. One must never bring dishonor or disgrace one's self or the family. Pastor, why are you commenting on this? The people of Israel operated in a similar fashion. The people of Israel saw that this God was merciful. This God was creator. This God was awesome. And they wouldn't dare ascribe something that is personal and individual to someone so great. You see, the only time we see in the Old Testament the term father used is when he's talking about a nation. The nation of Israel. The people that are God's. A community of people who would put the community first as being the children of God, not the individual. And so for the Old Testament, it is actually somewhat foreign to consider God Father in the way that we might. Because this God is too big to be so personal. He's too majestic to be just for you. He's too awesome and other-centered to come down into a finite one-person relationship. <clears throat> and so even today, Jews have hang-ups with our Christian approach to God. But there's some things that you got to take a minute to do. Like, you got to take a minute to let God describe himself. Because in the Old Testament, he speaks clearly, but also in the New Testament, he speaks clearly. Look at how Jesus describes the Father in John chapter 1. That's jumping to the New Testament. In John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 12. It says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And now we are children of God. Continue a few, four chapters over. Go to chapter 5 of John. 5 verse 18. 
Because chapter 112 says now the fruit of your relationship with God is you get to become a child of his. You get to become a part of his family. He has engrafted you in and it's not based on your ethnic lineage. It's based on your belief in his name. So John chapter 5 verse 18 says this. John 5 18. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Why are the Jews getting mad? Well, if you had the perspective they had, you might get mad too. Wait a minute. You, you mean to tell us the one who created the stars, the one that is holding the earth together, the one who maintains the seas so they don't overthrow the land, you mean to tell me that that is your father? You deserve death for that type of blasphemy, Jesus. You mean to tell me that he is your God? Yes. And what makes them angry is that he doesn't simply use the name father because father is a term that is very clear, but it also feels very formal, which was exactly the way the Jewish people like to keep it formal in the sense that you are so majestic. We do not want to bring you down to our level. But then Jesus uses something different. He says, Abba. Daddy, wait, you would take the creator of all things and make him, make him personal like, like daddy? Like a, like a father? Like a, like someone who I'm intimately connected with? Like someone I have a relationship with? Like someone who loves me? Like someone that I can experience? Like someone that I can know intimately? You want to talk about the father like that? And Jesus says, yes. 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 This father, this one who has created all things and knows how many hairs is on your head, cares enough to keep breath in your lungs. And not simply for all the people, but also for you as an, as an individual. Name can mean a lot. I, 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 um, I told you I was raised in Cleveland, and um, my name is Leon Stevenson III, and so like I've got tons of people that know me by Leon. But if you if you caught me walking, and even in our family, Leon, you know, I get Pastor Leon, I get Leon, I get usually that's the only two. Um, <laughs> But if you say, hey, Ramon, I, I, I know something there. You see, Ramon is the family name that I've had since before I knew Leon was my name. Because <laughs> when we both was in the room, they couldn't both say Leon, so I got Ramon as early as I was because my dad held me. And so with that name, comes endearment with that name comes a familiar relationship with that name comes some understanding and Jesus is saying that's why I'm using Abba 
I'm letting you know a shift has happened in the relationship, whether it's not formal. It is now a relationship where you are his child. You are loved dearly by this beautiful and holy God, and none of his attributes have been diminished. Continue with me in John. Look at chapter 17. You're flipping over about 12 chapters. We're going to chapter 17. John. What he says to help you understand the relationship that he, that he brings us into, being God our Father. John 17, verse 20. I do not ask for these only, this is Jesus speaking, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they may also, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be even one as we are one. It's beautiful, clear communication of the relationship that we have in the oneness of the Trinity. I want them to have a similar relationship where there is a beautiful oneness of the people of God, but there's an intimate connection. Verse 23, I in them and you in me that they may be come perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you've given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Do you realize what's being unleashed upon you? An eternal love that has existed before the foundation of the world is now being directed right at you. God, the Father, is one that wants you to experience all the many attributes he has, but is always rooted in love. And it's a love that Jesus will always say, I'm going to model it before I expect you to do it. Pick the love. Sacrificial love, I'll model it before I expect you to do it. Love and unity, I'm going to model it in the Trinity before I expect you to do it. Verse 25, a righteous father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. I made known to them your name. You see the beauty of Jesus? He's going he's gonna to step in and say a couple words on the mic right quick. Jesus is saying, it is my role to make sure that the people you've given me, Father, you are in all control. If there is any that I have responsibility for, the Father has given them, given them to me. And Jesus says, and I'm going to make them see you, God. I'm going to let them see your face shine. I'm going to point them towards you, Father. <coughs> I know we're jumping over. I got only a few more verses. 1 Corinthians 8, 6. 
continuing to help us understand his sustaining presence in our life. His protection it says, 1 Corinthians 8, 6, Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. All things. All things. All things. So every, um, everything we can imagine, all things, yes. The ability to build a rocket. Yes, the ability to build a boat. Yes, the ability to have open heart surgery. Yes, the ability to love my neighbor. Yes, the ability to live sacrificially. Yes, the ability to experience grace. Yes, the ability to see the wind coming over a forest and move the trees. Yes, the ability to have rain land right when we need it for crops. Yes, the all things is this God who holds it together and says, and I'm your daddy. Yeah. <laughs> and I love you. And I want you to experience me. And part of our problem as believers is we don't have a knowledge issue of God. We have an experience issue of God. Well, we lack experiencing a father who wants to lavish us with these different characteristics, these different traits. Look at 1 John 2.1. Just one more trait before I, before I break down how God holds these two beautiful things together. 1 John 2, verse 1. Y'all know I like to um, I like to preach uh, exegetically where we have like one scripture that just like captures it all. Uh, I, I love that. I love when we go through books. Um, but I just got so excited as it was like the whole scriptures were just screaming like, pick me, pick me, pick me. <laughs> So I, I got away from that a little bit, y'all. And we might sum in this foundational series as we want to make sure that, that you have some, some nuggets that maybe the first two verses didn't stick with you, but the third did. We want to make sure that you have a clearer understanding of God the Father. Look at, what, look at how Jesus interacts with God the Father. He says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Our Savior is our advocate. Going to the Father on our behalf. Not based on what we've done and who we are, but, but based on Christ and who he is. Y'all know I, my, my first job was at McDonald's. McDonald's comes up in six out of eight sermons I preach, so just get used to it. So I'm, so I'm, well, my mom tells me that I'm be able to get my first job. I have the interview on this certain day. Okay, cool. I'm nervous. Okay, I get my, my uh, dockers on, iron up the shirt, put the tie on, leather jacket, because back in the day, like, leather jacket meant, like, business suit. You know what I'm saying? That's how, that's how you rock it. So I had on the leather jacket, caught the bus. I know, hey, that, hey, hey, you know what I'm saying? Closest thing I had, you gotta make it work. 
Um, so I'm on the bus and I'm heading down and now the beads start forming, them little, them little sweat beads of nervousness, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I'm second guessing everything, is this my stop, is this my stop? Is this? I'm second guessing everything, I get off the bus and my mom is waiting there. And she sees me and she's like, you okay? Yeah, 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 I'm, I'm all right, I'm ready. Yeah, I'm ready, Ma. She's like, boy, I know Francine. She's our, she gonna hire you, just come on in here. Francine asked me two questions. What's your name and when you wanna start? <laughs> you see, you see, my mom's connection had already paved the way for me. And Jesus is the only person that we have to rely on before the Father who is holy, who is majestic. We can't come to the Father with no junk, with no crap. And Jesus says, come here, I got you. I got you. Let me clean you up. Now, are we going in here to talk to the Father? Don't say nothing. <laughs> You do, don't say nothing. <laughs> but because of what I've done, I'll be your advocate. Because there's another side of this story, that there's an accuser of the brethren. There's, there's an evil one who wants to constantly say to the father, look at how she ain't measuring up. Look at how he's failing you again. Look at how they were made in your image and they don't reflect it at all. And Jesus just walks in and says, but my blood, but my blood will cover the sins of my people. So Father, he's with me. She's with me. I'm going to be their advocate. So this God that loves you, this God that's all great, all powerful, all majestic, all victorious, is also our loving Father. Look at how Jesus told us to pray. In Matthew chapter 6, we get the Lord's Prayer. It's one of the, um, one of the things that helped me realize that I grew up in a Christian home. When I was in college, I like got so, I want to be my own man. And I'm like, you know, my mom and dad, they went to church, but they weren't real Christians. And, you know, you just want to like, when you get to a certain age, you want to act like everything done was done by you. You know, there was no smart ideas until you came up with them. You know, the church, the church don't know nothing. Let me show the church how to be the church, you know, like. Uh. And then uh, I remembered, I don't remember a time when I didn't know the Lord's Prayer. I can't remember a time when I didn't know and that was like a boom mom and dad was doing something investing in those early days if you'll know this scripture and it'll take root in your heart at the right day look what it says in verse 7 and when, and when you pray do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do for they think that they will be heard for their many words do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What's happening there, family? What's happening there is the beautiful, rich history of God in the Old Testament being highly exalted, being seen as other, being almost seen as untouchable, a God that is so majestic, how can I even fathom your ways caring about my little insignificant life? That's what hallow is, where you lift him up. You see God as being so different than you that you don't make him into a small God, but that he's a God that's outside the way you behave. You can't even wrap your mind around him. He's so beautiful, so great, so awesome, so loving. But then notice it says, Father, Abba. You see, Jesus is teaching them pray with a sense of relationship, pray with a sense of connection, pray with a sense of intimacy with this beautiful God, but you better revere his name. You better hold him up. You better worship him with what is due him, but still be intimately connected. This is God, our father. And this is why Jesus there's only one recorded prayer that Jesus has where he doesn't mention God as Father. So I think it would be good for us to do as well. Amen? Amen. Amen. My last verse is found in 1 Corinthians 15. It is a, a verse that helps us understand just how much the Father is in charge. It helps us see that all things start with the Father who created everything, and it will end with the Father as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 24. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 24. Hear these words. Then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and every power. For he must reign until he has been put, until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subject, subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is expected that he is expected who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him that God may be all in all. What's going on there, pastor? Basically, God is saying, everything's going to come under my rule. And Jesus is advancing my kingdom. But once Jesus is done doing what Jesus do, where he conquers everything, even death, Jesus is going to say, and here's the kingdom, Father. Amen. Right back the way you gave it to us. Amen. Set and in order and totally under your rule. Amen. Present it back to the Father. See how great this God is? To set all things in motion and then we'll receive all things back in that harmonious motion again. And Jesus is saying, I'm working on that team. I love the image of the Trinity. You never see 
a, a fight between the Holy Spirit and Jesus and God to try to get more props. Look, I put everything in motion. Well, I'm redeeming everything. I'm working in people's hearts. No, you don't see fighting. <laughs> you see this, this, this amazing oneness. And Jesus is saying, yeah, God, that oneness we have, I want them to have it. I want them to have it. I want them to have it in their body. I want them to have it in their marriages. I want them to have it in their singleness. I want them to have it in their neighborhood. I want them to have that oneness. And I know some of us struggle, and I know I'm hitting all types of triggers because we haven't all had fathers that modeled what this type of love looks like. But my, my prayer is that that list that I had for you that was greatness and powerful and victorious and majestic, all of that equaling father would be the place you look for your fatherly example. And God wants us to continue to renew our minds and say, yeah, learn some jacked up stuff. But I'm going to learn some new stuff from my heavenly father. You see, if, if you are a person I'm be wise in how I say this. You can know a lot about God and not still embrace him as your father. You can know that he created you. You can know he's in charge of everything and still have no intimacy with him. And you've missed all of Christianity. Because Christianity is not about doing the rules laid out in Exodus or in Deuteronomy. Christianity is not about the principles. Christianity has always been about a relationship. Yes, yes. It's always been about a relationship with God. And God is saying, I am your father, lovingly your father. Will you let me love you? Will you let me love you? Love that nasty part of you? Yes. That, that part that you hide, that part that you cover up, can I love that too? Yes, yes, Lord, yes. And so my prayer is that we would be willing to let this God who is our Father love all aspects of who we are and it is scary, it is risky, and it requires some trust. I want you to hear this this example, and then I'll pray for us. From a man named Tim Hansel, he said, one day while my son Zach and I were out in the country climbing around in some cliffs, I heard a voice from above me yell, hey dad, catch me. I turned around to see Jack, Zach joyfully jumping off a rock straight at me. He had jumped, then yelled, hey dad. <laughs> I became an instant circus act catching him. We both fell to the ground. For a moment after I caught him, I could hardly talk. When I found my voice again, I gasped in exasperation. Zach, can you give me one good reason why you did that? And he responded with a remarkable calmness. Sure, because you're my daddy. His whole assurance was based in the fact that his father was trustworthy. He could live life to the hilt because I could be trusted. Isn't this even more true for every Christian? Yes, yes. 
God is saying, take the risk. Yeah. Jump. What is it? Is today your day of jumping into the arms of Christ where you don't know Jesus? And today is the day where he's saying, jump, I will catch you. I'm not saying test him. I'm saying try and see how he responds. But maybe there's some other things. Maybe you're a believer. Maybe you already walk with Jesus. But yet you know there's some ways that he's calling you to trust him, to take some leaps, to step out. Do it. He will not leave you high and dry. He is ready. He's better than any earthly father. He will care for you and he will catch you even though the jump might be scary. And if you are a person that wants to know what that looks like, we would love to have you join Mac Ave. Today, once we are doing our prayer, um, doing our communion and our tithe, I'll be standing up here to the side as people are coming up for the communion. If you would like to accept Jesus into your heart, if you would like to take that jump, if you want to trust God, Simply come up, come to the side and say, I want to live for God. Pastor, I might not know what all that means, but something you said today, let me know I was not living in the way that I should be and I want to live for God. We'll be up here to receive you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Father, for being so majestic, so holy and so other. We cannot wrap our minds around you. Yet, Father, you are our father. You are our daddy. You are close to us. And we're thankful that we get a chance to love you and be loved by you. Use us for your kingdom purposes. It's in Jesus' name we pray.